Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and today we're going to be talking about a couple different stories, and I got a neat little segment at the end where I want to talk about the uh, some of the biggest games that never came out, some of the most, uh, you know, kind of a fun little list of some of the best games that got canceled before they came out. Um, but before I do, I wanted to touch base again on the uh, Super Nintendo Mini. So... Uh, the YouTube video got a lot of traction, actually, and, and a little bit of love and a little bit of hate, <laughs> to say the least, from people on YouTube and on Reddit and stuff. Uh, but there's actually been quite a few updates to that story, so I wanted to uh, kind of catch up with everything. Um, when I recorded the podcast last week, it was Tuesday morning at around this exact time, which is around 8 in the morning, so pre-orders had not gone live anywhere except at Amazon and Best Buy. And those are the two stores that I had felt had been the most uh, just egregious, uh, you know, failures when it came to how to do the pre-order system properly. Uh, and they were the ones who did the quote-unquote stealth launch that uh, was at 1 to 3 in the morning for both of those sites. Uh, so uh, I remember saying at the end of my last podcast that uh, I'm very excited to see where GameStop goes to see how they handle the pre-order system and to see how the other retailers handle it. Uh, so after I was, I was kind of putting the videos up all day, and replying to different comments and trying to get some traction on it. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, and I, uh, so I, I was here at my computer actually working, and then pre-orders went live at Target and at Walmart at roughly the same time, uh, a little bit apart. And so I was at Target, I was online, and I went, I was going through their checkout process, and it was in my cart, had it, almost had it, and then it was like, oh, your item sold out as it was in my cart. Uh, which is something, this is just more of a side rant on that, but, like, I really wish that stores would give you, like, just a minute to check out. <laughs> I never understand that. Why can't, if we have the item in our cart, why can't you give us a session to time out for, like, one to five minutes? Just something to get us through the process. That way, at least, you know, I'm not saying that you need to, like, hold it all day for us or anything, but just something. I, I always find that kind of annoying because a lot of places don't do that, and it's just frustrating to me that you have it in your cart, you're trying to pay for it, and it gets sold out from under you while it's in your cart. Although I guess maybe if you look at it the right way, when you put it in your cart, you were putting one that someone else hadn't checked out with yet. So, you know, maybe you were trying to get one that was technically already sold from that person. And if it had been on wait, maybe you wouldn't have gotten it. But it's just something I always thought was strange. Like, if it goes in your cart, you should at least get a minute or two to buy it. Uh, so I, I was at Target. I missed out on that. And it was kind of going up and down all day. Like, it was it was live, then it was down, it was up, it was down. It was actually quite stressful. I was trying to, I was trying to make dinner for Jen later in the afternoon. I kept getting notifications about it going up live. I was like, okay, cool. And so then I ran down to my computer, got it in my cart, went to check out. It was sold out again. I was like, all right, well, whatever. And so I tried it like two or three times. Uh, if you want really good real-time updates, follow Wario64 on Twitter and just get notified of every update. He hits you like every hour, every five to 10 minutes, to every hour. He's just hitting you with new like game deals and stuff. It's a great person to follow on Twitter. My understanding is he used to be part of the website Cheap Ass Gamer, I think. Um, but uh, anyway, so going more to the update of everything, the, the so they went up at Target. They were up for, if I had to guess, they were up for a couple of minutes, maybe five minutes to ten minutes at most, um, and then they were the pre-orders were sold out there. Walmart, kind of similar. They went up, again, at normal hours. Uh, I think that was actually really respectable. They just kind of put them up. Uh, what's kind of frustrating to me is all these retailers put their pre-orders live on the same day, which tells me that either Nintendo mandated that or that was something that they coordinated together, which I highly doubt because that's not something that companies typically do. So if Nintendo mandated that, what I don't understand is why they couldn't tell us that. You know, like if Nintendo mandated that all 
companies had to do their pre-orders on this day, then why didn't Nintendo come out and say, hey, it's Switch pre-order day. Pick your favorite retailer on this date, and we could have all been ready for it, I guess. You know, I, again, it's the it's the not knowing that was really frustrating. Uh, so uh, best uh, Walmart and Target's went up. Toys R Us completely stepped out of the game. I actually kind of respect them a little bit for this. Toys R Us backed off and said, we're not doing pre-orders at all. We've seen the mess. We've seen the negative customer experience that people get from this. And this is just not good. We don't want a part of it. So they backed out. And uh, Toys R Us gets completely out of the game. Walmart does their thing. I don't seem, They don't seem to have really any issues. I mean, it sold out fast, but there weren't really any issues. Target, same sort of thing. Didn't really have any issues. Uh, and then... GameStop started uh, pre-ordering in-store. So you could walk to your local GameStop, and each GameStop roughly had like 10 a piece. So just as an idea for quantity, if you think about that, there's about 6,000 GameStop stores. So if 10 was the average, then GameStop as a company in-store got about 60,000 units, which might make our projections for what they pre-ordered much, much less than we originally thought. Because if, if GameStop as a company to their store level was only getting 60000 my guess is they did half at store level, half online. So let's say that GameStop got 120000 You would assume that Best Buy got around the same number. Target and Walmart, or Target and, and KB Toys, or <laughs> KB Toys, well, as a blast from the past, Toys R Us probably got less than that. Walmart probably got more. So you're thinking maybe a million were pre-ordered, maybe? I don't know. It's it's hard to gauge without knowing the exact numbers, but uh, so nothing really wrong there. Uh, so GameStop was doing it in store. Uh, it was funny because it was actually the one day that uh, I didn't have my car. <laughs> I was getting it repaired that Tuesday, uh, but I was able to have a friend take care of me, and he got me one at GameStop. So I've got one pre-ordered, which is all I really wanted. I'm certainly not looking to resell a million of these uh, for profit. In fact, I was telling this story to someone the other day, but they they asked us if we were gonna have Super Nintendo Minis at our store, and I said, well. It's tough because if we get them in, we can't really sell them at retail cost because that's what we paid. So there's no real point in doing it if we buy them and then just resell them at cost to make no money. Uh, and on the flip side, <clears throat> on the flip side, if somebody comes in and goes, "Well, I have an SNES Classic. How much you want to buy it for?" They go on eBay for two hundred bucks. Well, he's going to command a price from me for at least a hundred, hundred and twenty-five probably. And if I pay that, I have to sell it for the eBay price of 200 in my store to try to make you know a profit on the deal. And then people come into my store and they say, hey, man, this thing just came out at 60 bucks and you got it for 200 And then they accuse me of being the jerk or the scalper when in actuality I just paid you know market value for something and was trying to resell it. So it's, it's a really weird story. So we're, you know, so we're not going to carry it there um, for that kind of reason. So getting into that a little bit. So GameStop in store, you could get it if you wanted to. No big deal. Uh, it was actually a lot of people were able to get it that way because it's just the obviously no bots can go, <laughs> no bots can go into the store for you yet until future technology allows it, and uh, people have to really get pants on and actually go out of their houses to get them. So GameStop was able to be a, a great way for a lot of people to get them, and since all their stores open at 10 o'clock, with a few exceptions, it was really a good way for everyone to again be fair and consistent, right? Like once you know when it's going to be able for pre-order, then you can make adjustments accordingly, right? Uh, however, the website, totally different story. So they announced they were going to go live on GameStop's website at like, a, like they tweeted it out and they, and GameStop to their credit did send the email with the notification saying, Hey, this product is available or this product's going to be available for pre-order. So I have to give them props as much as I don't really give GameStop much props on anything. That was one where I really do have to give them their props 
because they did what Amazon and Best Buy didn't do, and they actually notified their customers. So good for them. Hold the applause, though, people. It's about to get way worse. <laughs> so, so their website completely crashes. As far as I'm concerned, nobody got one off that website because it was just not working. You couldn't load it. Nothing. It, it, after a long time, the page would load, and then there was no button to pre-order the classic. It was a really annoying piece. And so then all of a sudden, ThinkGeek, uh, which if you don't know is owned by GameStop now, ThinkGeek has bundles available. You can't buy a, a, a Switch regular, although I, I believe you could, but I think what they did was they only res they had a few that you could reserve that were solo, and then everything else was bundles. So, you know, a, a SNES Classics, 80 bucks, right? Well, ThinkGeek, if you want to tack on a $200 or a $120 Street Fighter statue, then you can buy an SNES Classic and a Street Fighter statue for 200 bucks. Uh, okay, uh, that seems dirty as hell because you're force bundling, basically. You're making us buy other crap that's not selling to try to get a classic. And you know there's people out there that are going to do that because they just have to have this thing. Even though, again, I stretch again that this is going to be something that's more readily available. Um, Nintendo right now is double-dipping on the hype. They're they're getting the, the, friend, the feeding frenzy for pre-orders, and they're going to get the feeding frenzy for when the item releases. So they're, like, double-dipping into this making us crazy as opposed to they just doing it to us one time when the item actually releases. Uh, so anyway, going back to that, uh, ThinkGeek had bundles. And uh, the worst, the worst like, lowest bundle you could get was like $100, and it was the SNES Classic with like this stupid book about the SNES Classic. For whatever reason, you'd need that. And then the next bundle was like, I think, $129. It came with like a Zelda puzzle and a Zelda lamp and, some, and something else. It's basically they were just forcing you to buy a bunch of their unsold garbage to be able to buy a Super Nintendo Classic. In my opinion, that's incredibly shady business tactic. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about it because there's nothing against it. It's not like they were trying to sell it over MSRP, but they're selling the bundles as the only way to get their items. And this, sadly, is not a new practice for GameStop. When I was uh, when I worked there, this was probably... Well, this is right after Diablo, when Diablo 2 came out. So what was that? Was that 2000 or 2001? That was 2001. Summer 2001, I think. Is that right? And... Uh, Diablo 2 came out, and we used to do pre-orders back then, so we pre-ordered a whole bunch, and we got a email from corporate uh, instructing us that any copies that were not pre-ordered had to be shrink-wrapped and bundled with the strategy guide. So if you didn't pre-order the game from us, the only way you could buy Diablo 2 was to buy it with the strategy guide. Now, of course, GameStop gives you 20% off a strategy guide when you buy it with the game, but how lame is that? And that was back at a time... When GameStop, I, we were technically still software, et cetera, back then, but owned by the GameStop conglomerate. And they were, well, I guess that's not even true, but but the same company that eventually became GameStop owned us back then. So it's the same people, you know, sa same ideas. And we were, back then, we were the one store that would get this stuff the day it could be available. All the other stores, like Walmarts and Best Buys, they wouldn't get these things until, like, the Monday or Tuesday after, or, excuse me, the Friday or Saturday after they released on a Tuesday. And Software Etc. would get them on Wednesday because they would ship on Tuesday, and we would ship everything overnight one day. So imagine being the only store in town that has it and then just taking your having to take your customers to the woodshed and make them buy something else because we wanted to boost our numbers as, a, as corporate, you know? And it was just really infuriating. So this is something, this is a practice that they've done for years, uh, ThinkGeek just happens to be their newest uh, version of it, I guess. So uh, at ThinkGeek, you could buy a bundle, and I know a lot of people did because those bundles were sold out too, which is really, really frustrating. 
to me that that again as consumers like people think sometimes that I rant about this stuff and I'm ranting about my situation and that couldn't be further from the truth I truly feel like I'm trying to champion for the average consumer here like I know that I was going to be able to get an SNES classic at GameStop or wherever I know I'm going to get one I have no I have no qualms about that but the problem I have is when the average consumer who wants one of these can't get one it's just frustrating to me and it should be frustrating to all of you listening because this is something that like if it keeps going the way it's going, they're just going to keep doing it and keep making it worse. And it's just something we shouldn't have to be so stressed out trying to give people our money. And it's it's a product that we want to support this company. We feel like we can't because they're not allowing us to. It's such a strange relationship we have with Nintendo these days. Um, so uh, the only thing worse than what ThinkGeek was doing was GameStop took it one step further. And eventually in the stores, when the pre-orders became sold out, then you were able to do what they call a web in store order. So you could order in store an item that's online and have it shipped to store or shipped to your house. And then, so once GameStop was out of their 10 allocated regulars, they started pre-ordering the bundles off of thinkgeek.com. <laughs> so you, you could go into a store and be like, oh yeah, we have SNES classics, but only bundled ones. And I, I made this comment last week to somebody who was kind of trashing me on, on the YouTube video about it, but like, Imagine if Best Buy, you walked in, you're like, I want to get an SNES Classic. They're like, okay, cool. Well, we sold out of SNES Classic by themselves, but we have a bundle where if you get an SNES Classic and this 32-inch TV, it's only 300 bucks. And then you kind of look at them like, well, but so I have to buy a TV to be able to buy this? Like, like that's asinine everywhere else. Best Buy wouldn't do that. Amazon wouldn't do that. You know, Toys R Us isn't saying, oh, you have to buy you know, this uh, Mario blanket and these Mario sheets <laughs> to be able to buy a classic so they could pawn off whatever stuff they have left over on you. So, yeah, uh, so that's frustrating, you know. And uh, it's it's just a shady business practice, and I feel like GameStop can't ever seem to get things right. Like, their website's just a piece of crap. If you ever try to go on their website, uh, every time I go on there, I want to use PayPal to order. There's a PayPal button on the website. You click it. It takes you to like some sort of informational page, like a login to your PayPal page. You come back out and it just the button is replaced and it says PayPal is not available. <laughs> so I don't I don't know why GameStop's such a pile. Also, when you order things from them, typically you don't get free shipping uh, unless it's over a certain amount, and you don't get free shipping on pre-orders. And if you want it the day it comes out, you have to pay extra typically. Like I don't understand how any why anyone would shop there when you can do the same thing at Best Buy and Amazon and get way better service. Plus you have things like the Gamers Club Unlock and other stuff like that. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. So so basically, the, the rest of the pre-order fiasco didn't end with my rant last week. My rant was just about Amazon and Best Buy last week. This week, however, I have to go on and on about why GameStop feels it's okay to force bundle on people and, and basically make them buy other crap just because they know they have a rare item that's hard to get. It's a little frustrating. Uh, a few other follow-ups, I guess. Some people were... Because uh, Amazon had a very strange skew. This this was something I didn't really talk about last week. But the skew changed, and I, I don't know if it was to if it was meant to stop the botting process, which I'm going to talk about a little bit as well. But to stop the botting process, Amazon put up a very strange skew for their listing of the Super Nintendo Classic. It wasn't something you could search for. It was like something you had to know the exact thing to, to, to type in to search for. It said something like almost like it almost sounded like download code SNES mini digital something. It was really weird. So a, a few people though <laughs> then emailed Amazon support because they were really worried they weren't going to get one for some reason even though they had the order and everything. And Amazon support people um who don't necessarily know what's going on 
they looked at it and said, oh, well, that SKU is no longer in the computer, so we're going to cancel your pre-order and refund your money. And so there were a bunch of people that had their pre-orders canceled because they couldn't just wait for that pre-order to get converted over uh, to the actual SKU that was going to be the instead of the placeholder SKU. So it was, so a lot of people lost their pre-orders because of that, which is, I don't know, I don't know what to say. I guess that's kind of funny because there was a whole bunch of warnings online not to do that, and people kept doing that. Um, <clears throat> but I thought that was funny that, that people were kind of screwed themselves over on accident. Uh, and then uh, getting to the botting thing, uh, lastly, before I move on to something else. So I'm not going to mention the name of the bot because I think the websites that are talking about this and bringing attention to it are only making it worse because now you're going to have more people looking for this. And, and obviously me just even talking about it now is going to make people probably search for it. But there's a, a bot program that you actually buy. So it's it's a script that you that you buy from like these... I don't know where the origin country is, but they've written bots that you can, I don't know how it exactly works, but I assume you go to a website, you put in the URL for the for the page, and then it basically buys it for you. The second it becomes active, it just buys it for you. And so these bots are running rampant, and so many people are using these now that there's no fair ground for the average consumer. Now, the average person who's, who's doing this, I'm, I'm sure the average person is just looking for one or two for themselves as opposed to the people who are the resellers that are using these to buy 10 or 20 copies. And and again, I feel like stores could stop this if they really wanted to, put a limit on what you buy. Like like Limited Run, and this is a little different because they go through every order, but Limited Run will actually go through and cancel orders if they're doubles. It'd be really nice if maybe you know Amazon and Best Buy, I know Amazon's capable of this. Uh, Best Buy, you know, it'd be nice if they had somehow figured out a way to go through all their orders and any duplicate addresses they could kick out or duplicate payment methods like the same credit card was used to buy 10 different ones you can cancel nine of those orders something like that you know uh, and then again that's that's tough because you often look at it uh, i remember when skylanders were some of the skylanders were really rare at gamestop and it was like how much of it is our responsibility to make sure that the customer that all the customers have a fair chance like we try but if someone comes in and then they have like their little daughter coming after them and then they have their grandma coming after them and they're all trying to buy one i mean what are we supposed to do so i, I don't really want to blame the retailers for that it would be nice if they could accomplish some sort of procedure to stop it but you can't expect them to bend over backwards to try to stop the people trying to go out of their way to get multiples um but anyway that i'm gonna throw this up as a separate uh audio too just because it's kind of fun follow-up to last week's debacle but uh, that's what that is what it is it, your best chances to get one i still think that, that that they're doing like i said nintendo's double dipping on the hype like they did with the switch where they quote unquote sold out pre-orders but you can still get a ton in store when they come out i believe that's how this item's gonna be so i'm at my pre-order one and i'll probably try to go get another one because of course doing what i do my family kind of comes to me and says hey i really want one of these can you get me one can you get me one and so i've got a list of about 10 people that want one and i'm not trying to make money off them i just want to try to get them one but it is going to be easier i still think like i'm still holding out that belief that nintendo's not that crazy to short supply this thing as well they're still gonna always do what they do and they're gonna build that hype train but they're not gonna beat us up too bad on it um but yeah so your best bet probably is toys r us to get that because they didn't do pre-orders at all so they'll most likely have the most units in store but it's hard to say um, maybe they didn't have a lot to begin with, and that's why they didn't do pre-orders. You really never know. Uh, but anywho, so I, I'm done with the Super Nintendo Classic, unless anything crazy happens and we can move on to something else. But that is that is all I have to say about that. So moving on, we have uh, some actual news going on that I want to get back to. So um, <laughs> this was kind of interesting. So uh, late last week, 
the a writer from Valve. So he left Valve a year ago. He was a former lead writer for Half-Life. His name is Mark Laidlaw. He posted on his website a narrative outline for what could be, again in quotes, what could have been the plot for Half-Life 2 Episode 3 in character as Gertrude Fremont, uh, Gary Fremont, or um, Gordon Fremont is the, uh, Freeman, excuse me. <laughs> I just totally slaughtered that. Gordon Freeman is the hero from Half-Life. So Gertrude Fremont was like a, essentially a, 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 a mock, a spoof on that, but because he, I believe that he knows that, that stuff's copyrighted and he couldn't leak this stuff. Um, so uh, he released what a lot of people are assuming is the plot to Half-Life 2 Episode 3 because of the way he released it. Now, he's been gone for about a year. Uh, and this this really got people fired up. Like, instantly people started freaking out because after the former lead writer of the game leaves a year ago and then he spills the story, a lot of people jumped to the conclusion that that most likely means that Half-Life 3 is dead. Well, first of all, this he was t detailing the plot of Half-Life 2 Episode 3. So this isn't the quote-unquote rumored Half-Life 3 story. But uh, what I kind of have to say is I think they've canceled that or haven't had anything to say about Half-Life 3 in like 10 years. So I don't know who's still holding out hope for this game so much that they actually got upset about this being released. I actually think it's kind of cool. Uh, I would agree that I think these signs point to the fact that there must be something going on with the game or he must have either heard that they were going to rewrite it. Here's what I think. Two things. One, either he heard they were going to write the episode and he wanted to put out what he would have written or two, he heard that it's just never going to happen. And so he wanted the fans to have a little something of what it was expected to be. So people could kind of understand the story because nothing sucks worse than a cliffhanger. Let's be honest. I mean, if anyone ever watched uh, the original Berserk anime, <laughs> the way that ended was awful. And then they never did another Berserk anime for well i think it was probably 20 almost 20 years 15 years since the other one that they released that one so it's kind of insane but uh so i don't know i mean i, I have no expectations of half-life 3 ever coming out and in fact there doesn't need to be a half-life 3 if they wrap up half-life story in half-life 2 episode 3 so it would be nice to see valve at least revisit that maybe even do something like release it as a comic book or something because the fans are clearly very passionate about this game um and it would be nice to give them that. You know, no one, like I said, no one likes a cliffhanger. No one likes just being hung out to dry. Especially when you have a company that's in really good standing. Like, there's no reason that Valve couldn't make Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Like, they have enormous amounts of funding. It just seems like now they're focusing on other projects. Uh, and they're kind of sticking to, you know, being successful with Steam as opposed to making their own games. And, and obviously sticking to Dota 2. Now, speaking of Dota 2, this is where the internet always turns kind of nasty and, and gets kind of annoying, is Dota 2 has been flooded with negative Steam reviews now because of people mad about the quote-unquote canceling of Half-Life 3. Well, first of all, Half-Life 3 hasn't been talked about for 10 years, and this isn't even what we're talking about here. This is Half-Life 2 Part 3. So I don't know why these, like, wh why is that a thing? Like, let's attack another product from this company because we're mad about this other product not coming out. It just it just feels off to me. I don't I don't really know why that's a thing, and I really wish it wasn't a thing, but sadly it is a thing. And so the internet went nuts and that. So Dota 2 is getting down downvoted a bunch and and uh, or negative reviews and I don't know. It just seems kind of childish, you know. It's it's just I, I guess I look at it as a glass half full kind of guy. Like this is this is something cool. Like this guy gave us a neat snippet and understanding of the story of that we weren't gonna get. 
you know, and, and we should appreciate him, but there's no reason to hate Valve over that. They probably have a multitude of reasons for not doing it or for doing it. I mean, who knows? Um, but I don't know. We can be better than that. You know, we're better customers than that. You can vote with your dollars and not buy Valve stuff, but to, to throw a fit and to downvote, to, to give a negative review to something like that, just, I, I don't know. We're better than that. Um, but, but really, with all the recent remakes of stuff like Duke Nukem and Last Guardian, Final Fantasy VII's being remade, why Half-Life couldn't come out i don't really know <laughs> i don't know why they don't hire someone who does a lot of these really good source engine like half-life mods and stuff why don't you hire one of those teams just to do it i don't know it just seems strange to me maybe and maybe the reason they're not allowing that is because they do want to do it in the future at some point like they're they're quote-unquote reserving the right to make this game in the future by doing all this stuff but eh, you know it is what it is uh on a little bit lighter note um, Square Enix, for some reason, out of nowhere, announced a 3D remake of Secret of Mana coming out. And it's going to come out in early 2018. So Secret of Mana was a uh, a Super Nintendo game here. Uh, in Japan, it was known as Seiken Densetsu 2 um, because there's actually three games in the line. The first one is actually in the U.S. called Final Fantasy Adventure for the Game Boy. That was actually Seiken Densetsu 1. Then our Secret of Mana for Super Nintendo is Seiken Densetsu 2. And then they made a Seiken Densetsu 3, which was also for the Super Famicom. We never got that here, but a lot a lot of times it's called Secret of Mana 2. Um, this is really interesting to me because a f like a few months ago, Square released the Secret of Mana collection for the Switch. So it was all three of those games on one Switch cartridge, which I think is awesome. And I wish they would release the Secret of Mana anthology for Switch in the U.S. here. Because we already have two of the games. We have Final Fantasy Adventure. We have Secret of Mana. The only one that was never released here would be Seiken Densetsu 3, which is Secret of Mana 2, um, which normally you'd think, well, it was never came out of here, but we also look what we're getting with the SNES Classic. We're getting Star Fox 2. So, so this thing's not unheard of. Obviously, that's Nintendo and this is Square Enix, but it's not totally unheard of. Uh, however, it is a 3D remake, and it's going to be available on the PS4, the Vita, and Steam. So somehow, I, and this I also don't understand, so they do the Secret of Mana collection for the Switch in Japan, but they don't do the Secret of Mana 3D remake for the Switch. <laughs> They're just doing it for, for Vita and PS4 and Steam. So maybe they were working on this long before they knew that was going to come out for the Switch, and maybe the Switch wasn't as popular as it was when they started building this, so they didn't anticipate making a Switch version. So that could change, obviously, getting it on the Switch now from the PS4 and Vita isn't that difficult. Uh, but I don't know. It's, uh, I, I guess I'm not necessarily looking forward to a 3D remake uh, of it. I just kind of want to play the original game. And I, I like the original game. I don't, I don't think it's as great as everyone remembers. Like, I think it's okay. But it was a very good, it was a very good up to three-person action RPG. A lot of people don't know that. It, it felt like a traditional RPG, except it's an action RPG. It felt like a traditional RPG, but you could have multiple players play. So that was, you know, it was something unique at the time. But I, I just, a 3D remake when this day and age, like, the hottest thing out right now is, like, is the pixelated look. Like, like all these new developers are trying to copy the old look of these games. And then Square Enix releases an old game and then touches it up to look like new games. It's just strange, I think. I don't know. It, it's like everyone's fighting to look old again and, and uh... And then Square's trying to bring all their old stuff looking new, even though probably would, people would probably prefer to have a, a new-looking one. Uh, so early 8, 2018, new Secret of Mana game. I, a lot of people are really excited for it. I am not currently. So I'm hoping I'm hoping it's good. 
I'll probably play it, especially if, if they somehow do a physical version of it. Like, uh, I'll definitely buy that and collect that. I think that's rad. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's the Secret Mano 3D remake. And then this stupid story. This is great because this just shows the stupidity. And this isn't a political rant. This isn't a rant on right versus left. This is just a stupid story that just happens to involve House Republicans. So I'm sorry if you're a Republican and you're listening. I'm not dogging on Republicans in general. I'm not dogging on anybody. But this is what they did. So you have to you have to call out who screws up this stuff. So um, there was a blog post uh, arguing, this was uh, earlier last week, or mid-last week, um, that they were... House Republicans are making a blog post arguing tax reform. So they're talking about how we need to simplify the tax system. We need to, you know, like, like they have a plan that they want to simplify the tax system. Usually it means tax breaks for larger companies so they can, their, their process, thought process is that if you give companies tax breaks, they'll be able to hire more people and make more money and then hire more people, make cheaper products because they're saving money on taxes. That's kind of their, their, their philosophy when it comes to tax breaks. Um, so, this was one of their blog posts. <laughs> the Legend of Zelda series is Nintendo's best-selling video game franchise, enjoyed by more than two generations of gamers. The action-adventure game was released in 1986, only one year after Nintendo's founding in 1985. And you know what else was released in 1986? Yeah, you do. The last major reform to the American tax code was signed into law in 1986. So that's the blog post. Uh... And it's incredibly incorrect. Uh, Legend of Zelda did, in fact, release in 1986. Uh, however, Nintendo was founded in 1889, not 1985. What they probably meant to say was that Zelda came out one year after the release of the entertainment, Nintendo Entertainment System. But it took about two seconds on Google to search that and to see when Nintendo was founded. So, uh, almost 100 years off the mark. Not too bad. Now, again, Nintendo in the early days, they were manufacturing playing cards, and they didn't really get into the video game market until 85 with a home console, but they had, you know, they had Game & Watches, and they did other electronic devices before then. So, and the post has been taken down already, uh, so obviously someone fact-checked it and found it was incorrect, and I'm glad that they took it down, but I think the bigger problem here, like, the more I want, the more thing I wanted to talk about was that... I don't like how they're they're trying to appeal to a generation. And when you're trying to appeal to someone, you can't be fake. And it, it they, they must I think they were trying to, to reach the, the, the quote unquote millennials or, or the Gen Xers like I am, I guess, who grew up with Nintendo. But it 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 just it's so disingenuous and it's incorrect. And so I always get frustrated when companies try to do this. Like it reminds me kind of when was that what movie was that? Was that I'm trying to think what movie. I It's an Adam Sandler movie, and it's Steve Buscemi. I think it's Big Daddy, I think. And it's the one where, like, Steve Buscemi's pretending to be in high school. And there's a lot of memes about it where, you know, he's, like, an old guy who's got a backwards cap and a skateboard, and he's pretending to be, like, a little kid. That's what it feels like to me. Like, if you, if you want to reach us, then you have to talk to us on our level. You can't just throw, like, quips at us like this. And then expect it to be like a buzzword, I guess, to, to get us into it. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's essentially, it's marketing. They're trying to market their tax reform to a younger audience that might not care about such things. But when they do it, they did it in such a disingenuous and incorrect way. They just made themselves look foolish. And 
I think this happens all too much. And I do, I will give them a little bit of credit in the sense that I'm glad that they're trying to appeal to the younger people because I think there is a problem without getting too political. I think there is a problem with people not being interested in politics and not understanding things like we should fight for things like tax breaks and stuff like that. Like the, you have to have something you believe in uh, to help you decide what government officials you'd like to vote for. And taxes are a big one of them. Um, so it's just something to me that I, I always hated that. I hated this fake, let's just, let's just make, and of course, Legend of Zelda was the big one, you know, and I, and I'm pretty sure it was because who knows, maybe Legend of Zelda was trending on Twitter and someone, some intern thought it'd be clever, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's off, it's wrong and it makes them look foolish. And then it gets put on the internet where even though they take it down, it's immortalized forever. And I don't know. It's just, it I, we're 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 better than that you know like we we we're smarter than that and i don't i never like when people treat us like we're not as smart as we are and it's really it's really frustrating like like treat us like adults and we will be responsible adults you know i don't know it just uh, yeah i don't know it's it's i don't be fake right it's that easy uh, so anyway, that's all the stories I had for today. So a little bit shorter one today. However, I did want to go over this article, which I thought was a lot of fun. So this was, uh, this is actually from, from a while ago, but I, I found it was interesting. So this is some of the biggest video games that never came out. Now note it says biggest video games, not the best video games, because quite frankly, uh, a lot of these games weren't good and that's why they got canceled. Uh, but there's some interesting information in here, which is kind of what I like to, dig into you know it's, it's fun to see like the it's fun to see the um like what could have been and it's kind of fun to to, to pull back the the veil you know to kind of um to see behind the workings and stuff like that so uh one of the first ones uh that i want to talk about was an original xbox game called bc so this was actually being made uh by peter molyneux uh from lionhead uh and it was basically a caveman game. Like, you were going to run around as a caveman, and it was supposed to be... Like, this was back when Peter Molyneux had all these great ideas that he would just promise you the world. Um, so there was this really impressive AI. Again, this is on regular Xbox. So the AI, the animals moved really realistically. And it was just, like, it was neat. Like, a neat concept. Not that I really give too much of a crap about, like, you know, caveman games, I guess. Um, but it was, like, a caveman simulator. And apparently the game got to 75% complete. Um... And then it stopped, and apparently part of the reason it stopped was because there were two studios working on it, Lionhead and Intrepid, and they wouldn't share their propriety technology to speed up development. They both didn't want to reveal things that were internal studio pieces. Uh, and then, of course, Lionhead was uh, working on Fable so hard that it basically they couldn't put in as much effort to the game. Now, again, a game like this typically doesn't come out because it probably wasn't good. Like, I hate to say it that way, but it just it probably wasn't good. Uh, um, it looked interesting, but I doubt it would have been very fun, especially if it was just like a caveman version of Fable. Is probably because I don't want to sound like it wanted to be. Um, but uh, so that was kind of the first one I want to talk about. Let's see here. The um, I know I've got this list up, so I want to pick some of the better ones. Um, obviously this one very close to my heart is Silent Hills for the PlayStation Four. So if you never got a chance to play this, it was a really interesting summer. So this was summer or spring. I want to say this was the year after the PlayStation came out, so like 2015 maybe. And this demo just shows up on the PlayStation Store called PT. And you know it's 
Uh, Hideo Kojima, twe- Kojima tweets it out, and it just says, you know, check out this new game called PT. It's a demo, uh, which later you find out that PT stands for playtest. Uh, and so it's called PT, and you download it, and it's like a first-person horror game, and you're you're walking around what's essentially a, a square hallway, and at the end of the hallway, you walk through a door that's the exit, and it becomes the entrance back to where you just were. So it's very strange, like you're you're stuck in a loop, and then every time you go through, you start to notice subtle little changes, and it gets really creepy, and there's all this stuff happening, and there's like a there's like a, a like a undead woman, and there's like this radio that's talking about a guy who murdered his family, and there's like this this zombie monster woman, it looks like something out of the Grudge, like it's super creepy, like it's one of the creepiest things. Me and my brother Joe played it at his birthday party and i remember everyone else fell asleep and it was me and him at like two in the morning playing this and it was like the worst idea ever neither one of us wanted to move forward so we uh we were playing it and there's this really um weird thing at the end you had to do which is par for the course with hideo kojima where the phone rings and then you have to you have to whisper something in a microphone you have to somehow make like this third baby cry it's this really weird thing like you hear these babies cry and you have to do a bunch of different things to basically solve the puzzle of the demo and what we didn't realize was you had to have a microphone plugged in <laughs> because you needed to just, like, whisper this name or whatever. And you, you can check out some YouTube videos. They're really cool. Like, check them out online about, like, people who solved it and how, how it all worked. It was really interesting. The first person that solved it did it completely by accident. It was, a, it was a girl who was streaming, and she solved it completely by accident, and then it revealed to be the game Silent Hills. So what they did was they were making a game reveal, and to reveal the game, they made a demo of a totally different kind of experience to reveal the title of the game super cool you know like like what a great amazing idea and so then it was known as silent hills so basically konami had given the keys to the castle of silent hill to hideo kojima who had signed on guillermo del toro to do like monster design and help with story stuff and then they had gotten norman reedus from walking dead who plays daryl he uh, walking dead fame he was going to be like the main character so there's, it was like, whoa, this is really cool. Like, this is the ultimate triumphant kind of thing. And at this point, and again, this is where a lot of people don't really necessarily know what happened. Um, but all of a sudden, this was before Metal Gear was finished. And this was kind of when all this stuff was happening, but was still like, Kojima was still there. And all of a sudden, Silent Hills just gets canceled. Just very, just kind of quiet whisper, like, well, we're no longer making Silent Hills. Really weird. And then m- not much longer after that was announced when, oh, Kojima is no longer an employee of Konami. He's a, uh, he's a licensed contractor. And when his contract is up at the end of Metal Gear Solid Five, he'll most likely be gone. And all this weird stuff was happening all at once. Personally, I think that what happened was they wanted to cancel Silent Hills. And Kojima was like, because Konami was kind of going in a different direction, they really wanted to stay away from AAA and, and move towards a more mobile strategy, you know, a more m- money-making strategy. And so I think they pulled this, and, and I think Kojima might have really gone after him for that, and that might have what essentially led to him saying or doing something that could have gotten him essentially ousted from the company. Now, again, I don't know that. That's just always what I kind of felt. But Silent Hills, man, from the demo, and the game wasn't necessarily going to be the demo, but I will tell you that that game probably would have been amazing. That That's that's probably the most sad cancelization I've ever heard of because most of the time, I, and I'll say this on most of the games on this list, most of the time it just the games probably weren't good and that's why they got canceled that game however based on the demo we played it would it was incredible and and knowing how kojima could do uh knowing how kojima could do horror just made me very very excited um but uh, uh moving on to the next one so this is what i actually have a personal experience with as well so the next one that got canceled was starcraft ghost 
So in early 2000s, like Blizzard was looking for a way to make a lot of offshoots and spinoffs of their game universes. And obviously StarCraft was really big. So they wanted to make like a third person action game where you play as a ghost in the StarCraft universe, which if you don't play StarCraft, it's like a stealth unit that kind of it's what launches the nukes. So it's like a stealth unit that kind of creeps around or whatever. So they were going to make a third person shooter uh, in the in the StarCraft universe where you play as a ghost named Nova. And part of the problem was that it wasn't being made internally by Blizzard uh, because they had their hands full at that time. They were probably working on Warcraft 3 really heavily and getting and obviously really working hard on World of Warcraft, which we didn't even know was coming out at the time. Uh, so it was a third-person shooter, and it... I mean, all, all signs point to it being awesome, but then there were just, like, diff they kept swinging it to different studios. So uh, the first vision was by a company called Nihilistic Software, who I think later went on to do the Vampire the Masquerade games. I think they might still be around, too. Um, by 2004, it had switched to a different studio called Swing and Ape Studios, which, again, these are kind of smaller studios, so why Blizzard didn't find, like, a bigger studio to do it, I guess I'm a little surprised by, especially since back then they would have, I believe, still been... Um, partnered and owned by Activision. I, I might be wrong on the dates and that, but they should have had some some power behind them. Uh, but the uh, the game itself, I actually got to play it. So um, I, I went to a GameStop manager conference back, I don't remember what year that would have been, probably 2002 or 2003. And if you don't know what a GameStop manager conference is, basically when you're a manager, every year they send all the managers to a big conference. And it's a big training conference, so you sit and go into boring meetings for two days and you listen to a bunch of boring presentations about how great the company is. And then they, for four hours one day, they had a GameStop Expo where you actually walked around on the show floor. It was like a mini E3, but just for GameStop managers. So companies would come and they would show us demos. They would give us free games. They would do giveaways. Like they were basically trying to sell us on their products so that we could, you know, so we could sell it to their customers. It was, it was actually, it felt really good, especially in the early years. It felt like you could have a crappy year, but knowing you were going to conference kind of made it all better. And so this should have been my first warning, but I, I'm walking by and I see the Blizzard booth and there's eight Xboxes networked together playing StarCraft Ghost. They have a huge StarCraft Ghost banner and there's not a single person playing it. In, in, in a room full at that time, it was probably 2,000 to 2,500 managers in that room and nobody was playing it. So I'm kind of looking around like, what? Okay, uh, I'll play it. I love StarCraft. So I sat down with a friend and we started playing it. And we were playing the battle mode, so I didn't get to play any story or anything like that, but there was like a, a network battle mode. And at first, it was really cool. Like, you got to pick between a, a, a Hydralisk or a different Zerg units or different human mutants. You could be a Space Marine or you could be a Flame Thrower guy or, you, you know, like, you got to choose. And I remember one of the stages overhead, there was like a huge, like, battle cruiser just flying over the level. And it was really neat to see a game that was a real-time strategy game. It was neat to see it from the character's perspective, you know? Like, so you got to be in the world as opposed to seeing it from a sky view like StarCraft normally is. Um, and playing the game, it wasn't honestly bad. It just wasn't fun either. It was just very generic, you know? And you could tell it wasn't a Blizzard product. It didn't have that Blizzard polish. It was just a game. And it could have been any game in any universe, and it wouldn't have been any better. And give props to Blizzard for not releasing stuff like that. They don't, they don't release they didn't want to release with their licenses subpar quality games uh but yeah so it, it was officially canceled in 2014 when they also announced that uh um the uh the new mmo titan um was uh, officially announced dead 
which was obviously another big one that would have been really cool to to see whatever MMO Titan was working on. Um, but yeah, and then she shows up as a playable character here. The Storm Nova does, but it, you know, it was it was actually kind of it was okay, but it wasn't great. It just is what it is. Um, another big one was uh, Star Fox 2. Star Fox 2 never came out here, which obviously we now know with the Super Nintendo Classic that that has changed. We are, for the first time ever, going to get Star Fox 2 officially released in the States. Um, but this was a weird one because this game was almost 100% finished, if not 100% finished. Uh, and Nintendo had... Uh, basically, what was happening was this game was coming out and the N64 was only about a year away. Um, or, or less than a year away, I should say. And it... They didn't want this game to, because this game was, you know, Star Fox kind of uses the, the FX chip to kind of mimic 3D graphics. And they didn't want people looking at this and going, oh, it's a down look to the N64, because the N64 was actually capable of full 3D graphics. So he said that uh, uh, this they interviewed Star Fox 2 lead programmer Dylan Cuthbert, and he said in 2014 that Nintendo had intended for the upcoming N64 to come out a year earlier than it did, and thus it canceled Star Fox 2's release, fearing a conflict of the public's perception of what a 3D game should look like. But what's funny about that is they only canceled it because they thought the 64 was going to come out a year before it did, and then ended up not coming out that year. So they kind of canceled it for nothing, and this game still could have come out. But they just, I'm always surprised by that, like when a company just full-out cancels a game. I mean, why not just at least throw it out there and make some of the money back? But, um... Let's see here. Uh, no, I would not like to print. Thanks, computer. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm trying to find a couple. Uh, this one, this was an interesting one. Agent was a game coming for PS3 that looked really, really good. Um, it was it was originally announced for PS3, and then they reannounced it for PS4, and then now, and it was supposed to be a PlayStation exclusive by Rockstar, and, and you were like a secret agent, you know, kind of thing. And then I don't know what happened to the game. And obviously, it must not have been going very well. Um, but uh, Take Two, uh, the publisher Take Two, did renew the trademarks in uh, December of 2013. So there's some weird stuff going on. Um, I, I think the game is dead, but I just think they don't want to officially tell people. But it was funny because they had uh, they had announced it was coming for PS3, and then it was like, oh, we haven't heard anything, and then all of a sudden they announced it. Well, it's coming to PS4. Like, oh baby, and they get us all hyped up again, and then it never comes out. And then uh, another interesting. Let's see the the last. Second to last one here. The last one. Uh, there's a more on this list, but I'll just do this last one because I, I find this stuff interesting. And if you guys don't, you can quit listening now. <laughs> um, but this one was called Six Days in Fallujah. So this was a game that was being made for the PS3 and 360. It was going to be published by Konami, of all things. You know, not known for publishing their shooters. Um, it was a game, basically, that was a tactical shooter focused on the second battle of Fallujah in 2004. And this game was supposed to have come out around that same kind of like a couple years after that. So there were a lot of people that thought making a game based on an actual conflict that's going on at the time was kind of tasteless. Um, and a lot of the, uh, let's see what this says. Um, a, th a lot of thought had gone into the game. The seed of the game's idea had actually been planted long before the battle, but after many of the Marines the studio was working with as consultants ended up fighting in Fallujah, one of them asked about returning if Atomic would like to turn the game into an exploration of what it was there on the ground. So actually what happened was there were some Marines that were helping design this game to make it more realistic. They got called over to fight. So they fought in this battle. They fought in Fallujah, and when they came back, they said, hey, you know what? Could we make this game about 
our experience there. So it's kind of frustrating that it got canceled for that, for the reason of being insensitive when you literally had somebody who was there fighting and he was saying, I'd like to make a game about this. But anywho, um, Konami, it, there was a, there was a bit of a backlash first came out. Um, and then Konami obviously has been changing the way it wants to go with its direction of games anyway. And yeah, just basically had decided that it was no longer going to publish the game. Now that doesn't mean that uh, atomic games wasn't still working on it, but now that was back in 2009 that that happened. So it's never officially been canceled, but, it, it looks like it'll never come out. I mean, that was eight years ago now, so you'd have to assume by now the game would be out or, or it evolved into something else. Um, but yeah. So anyway, I thought that'd be kind of a fun little list, just going over some game, some great games that were canceled. I had played a couple of them, so it was neat to share my personal experience with you on that one. And then um, my game recommendation of the week, let's see here. Uh, you know, I'm going to recommend Monster Party. So Monster Party is a weird little Nintendo, a uh, regular Nintendo game, where it's a side-scroller from left to right, pretty average stuff. And you play as, like, this little dude, and it's everything you can think of monster-wise. So you go around, and you're fighting piranha plants. You have bosses that look like huge babies. Uh, you have guys that look like Jason. Originally, the game in Japan, when it came out, had all these references to U.S. horror movies, and they just totally didn't care about copyright at all. They just put whatever they wanted in there and it was like there was basically a frankenstein boss and a jason boss and a freddy boss and all this other stuff so when they brought it to the u.s obviously they had to edit that quite heavily uh but it's a fun little side scroller the music's really really good you get a baseball bat and you can deflect shots that like bosses th shoot at you you hit them back at them to kill them it was a really neat game uh controls are kind of stiff but it was it's a unique experience i highly recommend playing it it's kind of fun it's in my permanent collection um and uh yeah and as always I, I appreciate you guys for listening um i changed my twitter handle so that it'd be a little easier for you guys to find me on twitter so i'm now at drop rate greg and that's greg with two g's at the end so at drop rate greg and if you just search drop rate greg you should find my name and my username you should be able to find me but drop rate greg because i'm really pushing our youtube channel uh the drop rate if you go to drop rate dot life that's going to direct you to our youtube page with all of our videos and stuff and uh, i'm also starting to stream a little bit more I'm trying to get back on Twitch, but on Twitch, I'm still known as Brothers Insanity because I can't switch it, and I don't want to lose all the subscribers that I've had um, from previous years doing stuff. Uh, but anyway, as always, I really appreciate you guys listening. You guys are great, and um, you all have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>